Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. So what? Yeah. Um, welcome along to the Keegan Odyssey Part 24. Um, I think okay. if you listen to each one back to back, that would probably take up an entire day if you want to do that. But that's well, that, that would be lovely, wouldn't like it? Jack Bauer. I mean, you can. Some people just see days as things you need to eradicate. Until the frosty embrace of the reaper. See, there was units uh, to be ticked off. Happen, happens upon you. You never know when he's going to come. Uh, but you need to keep crossing out the time. Yeah. Like, just eating it up. Yeah. And There's another unit, like, another unit crossed off. Do you know what? Did you ever see summer holidays like that? I did sometimes. What? It was like time to be crossed off before you got back to school? Well, sometimes they'd be really boring. Mm. like like you know sometimes like you think you remember the good times you know where you're playing with your mates or you're on holiday or whatever whatever sometimes my cousins would be all around and we'd but there were fucking long periods of like two weeks where like the, my house would be empty yeah everyone would be on holiday or whatever right. and you just think i've just got to fucking eradicate these days right I've got to eradicate them but- some days what i would do is i would organize a huge football tournament yeah but i i had an elaborate way of playing it it was you know obviously it was before fifa and all of that so i would roll dice so i would start like a massive tournament like maybe a league season or something to be fucking hundreds of games just you and i'd playing just me yeah and i'd play them with dice right So, so you roll six dice you roll six dice at a time yeah every six is a goal right you throw them once for one team in the first half, once the other team in the first half. Oh, you wouldn't half. actually be playing football with a football. This would be a dice game. No. Like Dungeons no, and Dragons. No, no, It was much more depressing than Jesus that. Jesus Christ. I'd be sat at home in the living room doing that, maybe with TV on in the background. Do you, wanna, um, do you want me to cut this bit out? Yeah, cut it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome to the Keegan Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> Where fun is a constant... And depression and misery never raise its ugly head. Loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> Dice. Yeah, but but seriously, the summer holidays, like we all I had good times as well, mm. but six weeks is a long time. Yeah. I, and it wasn't all fucking playing football say, from did, morning. Did, even to, if you were by yourself, would you not go out and do some digging? Sometimes. But, but it wasn't the same on my own. Like in the middle of the day, out front. With a spoon yeah. next to the motorway just digging, own. it just it it didn't feel you right. You need a digging partner, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it, well, there were times when I was younger. I would dig alone in the evenings after school, 
But I don't know, summer holiday digging solo, maybe out back. Yeah. But there wasn't much earth in our back garden. It was just con- it was a concrete square. I think if we ever get around to doing a video episode of Top Flight Time Machine, I think mm. it would have to be me and you somewhere digging. Oh yeah. Do you know well, what I mean? we could go back to my original digging spot. But we'd have to have spoons. We're not using spears or trowels we'll or anything get, like that. We'll get spoons from my mum's house. Yeah. And the digging spot's still opposite and it hasn't been dug in for years. I mean, if a council official comes past, they'll probably have something to say, but I'll just do a John Timbrell on them. <laughs> I'll say, "Look, I am a living man. This has been a this has been my digging spot and the digging spot of living men in this borough um, <laughs> as far back as 1730. <laughs> <laughs> Your laws do not apply to me. Yeah, or my digging. Yeah, we'll do that then. Um, Shall we get on with this Keegan thing? Yeah. Chapter 12 uh, is called Watch Out, Alex. And this, this covers his uh, first season, first full season at Newcastle when they... Uh, they get promoted. Uh, so he's had all the problems with John Hall and all that kind of thing, but he's ironed all that out. Uh, he says, I committed myself to taking the manager's job full-time and I wasn't going to fall into the trap of thinking the best we could do was to consolidate and finish in mid-table. With me at the helm, Newcastle could forget that kind of dreary conservatism. The pressure was on to get results and hit new targets. I'd been doing it all my career and I didn't intend to stop now. And frankly, mm-hmm. I loved it that way. Oh. So there we are. Um, he says he told the... Pre- he's on a high. He, he's basically on a he's high. He's basically off his head. On, uh, yeah. He's delirious on, on well, ambition, really. It's based on nothing. Um, he says he told the press that their aim was to become another Liverpool dominate English football and capture the imagination of the whole country. Woo! This is when they're still in... Do you know what, under, Terry Mack, you know what I want to do? I want to capture the imagination of the whole country. <laughs> ah, well, yeah, I mean, I'm all for it, but it's easier said than done, <laughs> gaffer. I'm just going to involve more kind of like dressing up and pretending to be Arab sheikhs, because I reckon that could really capture the imagination. <laughs> It's the sort of thing that people respond to on an emotional level. On a visceral level. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) No, not right now, Terry. Wait till the end of the season. If we've won some silverware, we'll do an open-top bus tour around the city centre and we'll both dress up as Arabs. Maybe we'll get the whole team to dress as Arabs. We'll brown up our skins and everything. But first, let's do the hard bit. (laughs) Oh... Uh, I didn't care if people thought I was overdosing on optimism. I'd been reading books on positive mental attitude and the advanced thinking of experts such as Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers. Pfft, don't know. Never heard of him. Uh, a lot of them come out with shit like I've learned a lot from the NFL. Yeah. And I don't know why, mate. It annoys me. The NFL? When people say that they've learned from the NFL. Mm, because... When they go and do fact-finding missions with NFL teams about yeah. psychology and training, I just think, fuck the NFL. I, I don't fucking acknowledge the NFL. I don't acknowledge its existence. My attitude towards the NFL is very much like John Timbrell's is yeah. to the courts of Gloucestershire. Yeah. I do not recognise <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, it does not exist. I mean, NFL, yeah. for my generation, NFL became big around the mid-80s, when, uh, also when WWF... Uh, wrestling became popular and I was slightly too old for both things and I see them both for the shams that they are and I refuse yeah. to acknowledge them simple as that mm. 
And what happens if what happens if it's on the telly? What happens if you walk in and your son, for instance, has has put one of those things on almost by mistake, what, and says, "Dad, look at this. This is quite exciting." Uh, I just I just stride over silently to the the box where all the trip switches are, and I just shut down the mains power for the entire house, for the whole house. Yeah. So so you're shrouded in darkness yeah. potentially. Yeah. I mean, the- and he. And how long does that last for? Uh, ten hours, just in case. <laughs> and he knows. He knows that. He knows what he's, he's done. Himself and he kn- to ten hours of darkness. Yeah. And it, and if your daughter's in now, say upstairs in her room, and it goes dark, she'll just be like, "Oh, that's, obviously someone's accidentally yeah. put on some NFL." Yeah, there's no descent. That's we're a family. We we live and die as a family. They know the rules. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. knew what they were getting into. Yeah. If the power they goes knew off, what they were getting into when you were their dad, yeah. when they chose you as their father. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the rules are there. The, once the power goes off, they know that's 10 hours of <laughs> darkness and they know that someone has accidentally put NFL on. What do you do during those 10 hours of darkness, you personally? Um, me personally, I'd, I'd contemplate, meditate, think. Oh. Um, sometimes I'll... Reset your demons. Sometimes I'll masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a, that's what I mean by reset your demons. Yeah, I always assume that's what it go meant. And, and get a tent in the woods <laughs> and just have a big wank. Yeah. So, yeah, Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers. Fuck him and everything he stands for. Um, Good. He, yeah, in the programme notes for the first game at home to South End United, Kev laid down a marker, basically. He says, I've set my personal goal of getting this club in the Premier League in one season. That's my job. I honestly believe when we hit our targets, this club will be bigger and more exciting than Liverpool. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I mean, he's just, a, he's escaped relegation by the skin of his teeth in his first three months or something. And then he's coming out with stuff like that. To be fair, he pretty much nearly pulled it off. So The equivalent would be today, someone, I guess, someone taking over at, let's say... Sunderland. Well, you'd, <laughs> Sun, yeah, Sunderland or Leeds. You know, sort of equivalent size clubs. And you go, I'm going to make this club bigger than Manchester United. <laughs> yeah. It would be like that. But I don't know, coming from Kevin Keegan, he sort of, back then, everyone sort of believed him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he says that one of the directors asked him whether it was wise to come up with that kind of thing and uh, suggested I was putting an awful lot of pressure on everyone. Good, rightly so, I told him. <laughs> <laughs> I put pressure on everyone, including you. <laughs> I'm putting pressure on you now in this conversation. You don't even know about it, but you'll think about it later on. Then you'll know. <laughs> That's the problem, he says. Your expectations have always been, this is Newcastle, we don't do well. Well, if you start saying what it is you want and start believing it, it might actually happen. Bit of cosmic ordering, really, going on. It is, yeah. Sort of. It I is. don't know if he's writing stuff down and, you know... Holding up to the gods, but that's what it is. I'm just gonna. I'm just looking at the, the tweets while we're chatting. Someone's just tweeted us uh, a link to something called the Kilkline Experience, and it fits I've in with this it. episode. Fits in with yes, with, it does with, with Keegan and that's we he, mentioned he brought Kilkline in, hadn't he? Kilkline. Um, this seems- you, I'm just gonna read out. You go. You land on his page. You think this must be a fan page? No. And it's got a picture of Brian Kilkline then and now. And a sort of an illustration of what looks like a kind of medieval times <laughs> mythical knight, a crest, um, sw- swinging a huge sword. <laughs> and then, it, then you, the point at which you realise that this is not a fan site, this is his personal site, is when you read the copy underneath, which says, "Brian Kilcline, that's me." 
former professional footballer with Notts County, Coventry City, Newcastle United. Now you're more likely to find me picking carobs or shaking olives out of trees at our Portuguese holiday rental or mud caked on a building site in England than kicking a football. What's he doing on a building Fucking site? Hell. Just hanging around. <laughs> Why are you mud caked on a building site? Are you a building now, Brian? No, I just like to hang around there. I'm just mud caking. Roll around in the mud. <laughs> but I do this at because night. I'm a because I'm a footballer. It opens a lot of doors, so people will remember me. I'll mainly operate in the Coventry or Newcastle areas, <laughs> and I'll approach a building site and I'll say, "Lads, lads, oh hello, killer. Do you mind if I have a bit of a roll around in your mud?" <laughs> We're not going to say no. Don't are we? mind me. Don't mind me. I won't. I won't get in the way. I'll just have a quick roll around, then I'll be off back to Portugal. Sometimes I, sometimes I slip them fifty quid. You know, oil the wheels and all that sort of thing. Gets me what I want. He says, "I love, I love the laid back lifestyle in Portugal, and Lynn loves the gardening. We've both enjoyed our venture there into holiday lettings. Interesting <laughs> that he doesn't define or qualify who Lynn is. He just yeah. drops a name in there. Now you could assume it's his wife, but then again." The fact that he sort of seems to go out of his way not to specify who she is yeah, makes me think, well, this is very ambiguous. Is Who is Lynn? A wife, a lover, um, his mother, his sister? <laughs> Maybe there is no Lynn. Maybe Lynn is a Brian Kilcline's alter ego. But Yeah, well, I don't know. But then you go further, deeper into the website, and there's a section called I Open a Trilogy. Oh, my God. And... There's so the first part of that is called the lion, the witch, and the rucksack, mm. and it <gasps> seems to be there's seven chapters. No, there's not. There's more. Hang on. There's fucking twenty one chapters in an epilogue, and this is all written by Lynn. This is Lynn's this stories. Is, this well, it's Lynn. It's it's Lynn and Brian on the road. So it's real life. It's real the, life. The second story is called Don't Feed the Kangaroos, which yeah, sounds that quite does, good. Click on that. That doesn't exist. That must be to, the to, to follow. The third story is the one that catches my eye the most. Yeah. It's called I, It Were a Biggin. That doesn't exist either. We've only mm. got the first story to, to go on. Deleted by lawyers? Maybe. Possibly. Deleted by Brian, maybe. I, It Were a Biggin. There is so much mystery in this site that I'm starting to think deep dive. Could we do a deep dive into the line, the witch and the rucksack? It's certainly, there's enough material there, the amount they've written. I don't know, because I've just looked at a couple of chapters and each chapter seems to include Brian going off on one, kicking (laughs) off in a mood about something or other. Well, that's good. Well, I don't know, because I've got a feeling if anyone was actually physically come after us for the work that we do, it would be Brian Kilcline. Well, He's wouldn't got, that be a, a great story for Lynn to then write up on the website about what? how Brian Kilcline hunted and killed two podcasters in the UK? Yeah, it would be good f- for a, a website that very few people have read, but um, I don't know, I think our but friends and family would... read it more because people, obviously so many people listen to Top Flight Time Machine and mm. we're loved by a large amount of the British public. Increasingly large number, yeah. And... Yeah. and it would really put the website on the map if we sacrificed our own lives for Kill Klein and his popularity. Do you know what I imagine Kill Klein hunting us down being like? I imagine it being a reboot of the film No Country for Old Men. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Right, and Brian yeah. Kill Klein is yeah. the geezer. What's that actor called who's also in James Bond? I can't remember. I can't remember. 
Spanish He's fella. Got a gas canister with him. He's got that sort of vacuum device, hasn't he? That sucks Shit. sucks things out of people. And he's and Brian Kilcline arrives in the UK, touches down in London or in it's somewhere in the UK from Portugal, and he's got his device with him. And then it cuts to him just arriving at a building site. If he made it really moody, slightly artistic, like one of the seventies auteur directors. Yeah, Kill, the first, I like the idea of the first twenty minutes of the film being silent, no dialogue, maybe yeah. a few atmosphere noises, but no dialogue. He lands, you see him going, picking up his luggage, including the vacuum device. Then you see him arrive at a building site somewhere in the UK and just silently walking into some mud and rolling around in it while other while builders, Polish builders stop and look. But yeah. sort of something tells them that they shouldn't intervene don't, and they should just, this man. just yeah. leave him to it. Yeah. And he just completely solemn-faced rolls in mud. Then when he is sufficiently caked in mud that all you can actually see is his two eyes peeping through, he then begins <laughs> his journey to hunt down you and I. First he goes to London, then he goes to Sunderland. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It feels very real. A British reboot of No Country for Old Men. I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at one, one part of one of the chapters. Um, they're in India, they're travelling around India, and they're watching a fisherman doing his fishing. Uh, Brian just looked at the view and said nothing. If he kept it up, I was considering pushing him over the wall. We sat on the chairs and I decided to update our diary. He had another moody when I finished writing as he realised how much catching up he had to do with his entries in the diary. He threw himself down on the bed, puffing and panting, and attacked the pages with the pen as if it was the diary's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Did he sound volatile? We both wrote in the diary so that we'd have different views on the same subject. We each remembered different things, but strangely, Brian made no reference to our little domestic tiff in his diary account. <laughs> Fucking hell. This is this is dangerous, this stuff. It's, very, raw. This. it's very brutal and raw. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. wonder how old this website is and whether or not they're still together it, even. It, it says copyright 2014, this chapter. Yeah, it's five years old, mate. A lot of things happened since then. Thing on this site. Oh god, there's bound to be. Yes, there contacts. is contacts. Here we go. There's Email. a mobile number. Oh my god, there's no. Brian Kilkine's mobile phone number. Fuck, mate. Oh. Do you know what I am willing to do? Oh, Call what? him live on air on on the podcast. <laughs> How are you going to do, do that though? Do you, well, because I'm on the phone to you. Yeah. Yeah, you can't um, do that. Um, I'd have to get the landline. Are you insane? I'll do it. I'll say, Brian, it's Sam Delaney. I'm calling from the podcast Top Flight Time Machine. We are, yeah, we're doing a deep dive into Kevin Keegan's book. You feature in it. We've, uh, as a result, come across your website. Can you just tell us a little bit about your memories and then also about this mud caking business that you're into? <laughs> I mean, you've done five hours with Noel Edmonds. You're fucking fearless at this point. I know. Journalistically, it's like nothing can nothing can touch me now. <laughs> this is let's, child's play. Let's let's consider it for a future episode. Okay. Get back to Kevin Keegan. Jalapeno. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jalapeño. So, yeah, it's the, the Division 1, I think it was called then. Uh, they had an incredible start, five wins out of five. Then they moved on, ten wins out of ten. Went to Sunderland, got their first win at Roker Park for 35 years. Yeah, I was there. 11 games, 11 wins, 25 scored, seven conceded. 3-1 victory at Middlesbrough, who were in the Premier League then. We opened up a 10-point lead over second-placed West Ham. And uh, yeah. Do you remember that season? I remember that season really well. I remember that season really well. Yeah, we 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 did get promoted in second place in the end. Yeah, and Kev says um, it meant I could go to the board even with three quarters of the season still to go to start putting my place, my plans in place for the following year. We've got to get promoted. I told them, let's start buying our place for the top division now and get mm. them integrated now because they'll cost us a lot more when we go up. Yeah, good thinking. So it is. Yeah, well, kind of. I don't know who he's gonna buy that he thinks he'll play in the Premier League but yeah I suppose it does make sense he's got um, he signs a new three year contract one of my stipulations being that Terry McDermott was awarded a deal of his own <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this without Terry Mack oh yeah because wasn't Kevin paying Terry Mack at first he was yeah that's right yeah for the first now, three, three months know, I think Terry Mack is currently being financed by my good self Double K they go, oh, can I stop you there? Who is Terry Mack? He's my assistant manager. <laughs> you must have seen him. He's always with me. <laughs> He's sat Ooh, right shit. next to me, yeah. He's him. <laughs> I'm Terry Mack. I've been hanging around this club for months. How can you not know who I am? Because you don't <laughs> even see me. <laughs> to be honest, lads, who pays me makes no odds whether it's you, Kev, or the club. I couldn't care less. All I know is I need some money because I still am in hock to a couple of lads who I bought the beef off back in Liverpool. And they're going to get nasty soon if I don't settle my debts with them. Uh, it was time to move the family up to the northeast as well. <laughs> that made life a lot easier because until then, Gene and the girls were still in Hampshire and I'd been trekking up and down England's road network to be with them after games. If we were playing at St James's Park at 3pm on a Saturday, I wouldn't get back till after midnight sometimes and then I would set back off the next day because I wanted to avoid the Monday traffic. <laughs> <laughs> so he's driving about 400 miles after Newcastle have played, getting home at midnight getting up Sunday morning, maybe having a bacon sandwich and a cup of tea and then driving back to Newcastle again. <laughs> it's only, it only makes sense in the mind of Kevin Keegan. Well, yeah, but managers, I was telling this to my... I think I was telling it to my son the other day. 
because I can't remember why, but we were near the south coast, and I I started telling him about how Harry Redknapp lived in, um, you know, he lives in near like Bournemouth, doesn't he? Yeah, what's that really how, posh bit in it? What's it called? Sand, yeah, Sand Sandy Castles Balls, Sandy yeah. Bay, Balls. yeah, yeah, something like it, that. Itchy, itchy bollocks, and he, <laughs> um, he, I was saying, yeah, I mean, when he became Tottenham manager, I said he just drove every day from there to all the way to North London. It's a long fucking journey. That's Why do they what like managers do. So much? They they love it. They fucking love it. They and and the players too. I remember reading, I think it was Tony Cotty's uh, autobiography, and you know he signed for Leicester quite late in his career, but he was living in Essex. Right. He didn't think what he didn't think at all about moving to Leicester, but he did commute every day to training. And sometimes clubs say, uh, if you're an older pro and you don't want to move, but they want yeah. you to basically play on a Saturday, they go. It's fine if you just come into training two or three times a week and then just yeah. keep yourself fit on the other days you can do it. I don't know if that still happens. It probably does in the lower divisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they all fucking do loads of driving. It can't be good for you either, mate, like physically if you're playing. Well, that's it. I mean, I'd drive, if I'd drive for more than an hour and a half and I get out of the car, I'm all fucking seized up. Admittedly, I'm not in the same kind of tip-top condition as a professional footballer. As Tony Cotty. Not quite Tony Cotty level, but... um. Yeah. Yeah. I often make comparisons in my mind between you and Tony Cotty. There are a lot of similarities, yeah. I do it in a top trumps way, so it's not just physical things, it's mental mental agility. Mental agility, that kind of thing, Who would complete a jigsaw the quickest and all that sort of stuff. That would be Cotty, obviously. When I first met Tony Cotty, Tony Cotty was my absolute hero. That team, Frank McAvenny and him, and they were both brilliant. And, you know, as I get older, I sort of suppose I admire Frank McAvenny more because once you become a teenager, you sort of admire Frank McAvenny's, oh, it's just a wee bit of Charlie sort of cavalier attitude to life. But when I was a kid, Tony Cotty was like a boy, you know, a man child. He was like a boy, got into Team 17, scored on his debut away at Spurs. So after that, you're fucking hooked on this guy, right? It's like Roy the Rovers stuff, local lad. And then years later, I met him. And uh, it's amazing when you meet your heroes because he absolutely would have been my number one hero growing up. And I found myself talking to him about 7-7 seven, seven. and it wasn't long after that. And yeah. I said, yeah. I said, to be honest, I even feel a bit funny because like, it, lo- it was like the same year. I said, you know, God, you do think twice now sometimes when you, know, you get, get on the tube or the train. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he fixed my eye. And he went, Sam, keep getting the tube, keep getting the train, keep living your life. Because if you don't, you have let those bastards win. <laughs> I, I, was, I was rocked to my very core. Andy. Do you live your life by that rule now? Yes. <laughs> don't let the bastards win. It's like meeting your heroes, sometimes, you know, it really will resonate with you, the little things they say. And he really, he's quite an inspirational man, Tony Cotty. And it really rocked me to my core. Yeah. And I've and I've always lived by it ever since. I will never let terrorists win. And I think yeah. before that encounter, I might have been guilty of sometimes letting terrorists win, Andy. Yeah, but just giving no them more. A small, small margins. Here A and line there. was drawn in the sand that day. Yeah. 
In, yeah. a, a line was drawn in the sand of my mind by my boyhood hero, Tony Cotty. On the subject of meeting your heroes, uh, another friend of mine, you might know him actually, but I won't name him just in case, he, he told me, he's a journalist, and he told me that he was backstage at a concert and he met David Bowie. Because he, he was just, sta- it wasn't a Bowie <clears throat> concert, but Bowie was there backstage. And right. he was just standing in a group of people and Bowie joined the circle. And he was trying to play it cool because they were just all making small talk. Yeah. And he, he sort of kept looking for opportunities to almost address Bowie directly, which he managed <laughs> to eventually do. And they exchanged a few words and blah, blah. And then someone called Bowie away. And as he left, he turned to my mate who was a lifelong Bowie fanatic, and he, he just looked him in the eyes if he knew, silently he knew, he goes, listen, you know, like I know I'm your hero. So he goes, nice to meet you, mate. Stay away from the bad stuff. It'll only fuck you up. <laughs> and then he walked off. Then he disappeared into in a puff of smoke. <laughs> Almost as if it had happened. Yeah. It's good that, isn't it? Stay I away like from that. the bad yeah. stuff. It'll only fuck you up. And did, did this journalist... Uh, did he look as though he was a, a friend of the bad stuff at the time? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he just knew because Bowie is a former addict. Sometimes yeah. you have an instinct for this you stuff. see all the signs. You yeah. can see the signs because you remember them in yourself. So there's something in someone's eye you can see. They're struggling. And I'm going to tell this bloke. You just reminded me about talking about ex-pros there. I was watching Sky Sports News. Well, I wasn't watching it. I had it on. I put it on for the dog when I go out. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do, you. because I leave, I leave it on, and I, I draw the blinds of the living room because the dog is triggered to bark at any noise or thing that goes past the house. Right. So if I go out, I leave Sky Sports News on quite high up on the volume, so he's not triggered by anything going past. So Kevin Davies was on, and Kevin Davies had gone all the way into the Sky Sports News studio. I presume they paid for a car for him to be there. They were, he might be getting a fee. I don't know, an appearance fee. And Kevin Davies was saying that, listen to this, the best way that Harry Kane can bounce back from losing the Champions League final with Spurs mm. would be to win the Nations League for England. <laughs> now, I hadn't thought about that before. That hadn't struck me at all. That, that's a really insightful piece of, uh, of analysis. And I thought, fucking hell, that's, that's really enhanced my day. It's probably enhanced the, the day of my dog as well. The dog must have been happy because sometimes, I suppose the dog, I'm assuming your dog's a Sunderland fan. Yeah, of course, by so default. The the dog probably barks whenever there's a, a slight sniff hmm. of, um, even the slightest sniff of Sunderland transfer gossip in the summer. But yeah. it's thin on the ground. You won't get much Sunderland news on Sky Sports News. So the dog's fucking miserable. So something yeah. like that, thinking, yeah, England are playing in a big game. This will cheer me up. Um uh, yeah, I've yeah. got him trained to come to me whenever there's some Sunderland news comes on Sky Sports News. My, he comes up and he nudges me. Yeah, if there's any like fo- or football gossip, if you've been yeah. linked with a player. This is what it, I wonder though. This is what I want. I wonder how much of it he's actually taken in. Because obviously he can't speak. But yeah. I wonder how much knowledge he's got of, you know, the world sports scene from just being exposed to Sky Sports News. If you could train him to speak, he could probably become a, a reasonably successful football agent. Yeah, he could probably become a pundit. He'd probably have more to say than Kevin fucking Davies. Oh, stick him. I would love to see him in the Sky Sports studio, sat between <laughs> Graham Souness and Jamie Carragher in wear a bow tie. Wearing a little suit, yeah. Just, just, <laughs> a, just a bow tie would be enough, but sitting just upright like, like a human. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your dog's name again? Oscar. Uh, Oscar, <laughs> what did you make of the offside decision? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think the, the rule is a sham. Level should be on side. <laughs> this is it. Um, back to Keegan. Uh, Rob Lee. He signed Rob Lee and he always said it was his most important signing as a Newcastle manager. Uh, and he, he says, as soon as I saw Rob play, I wanted him in my team. He had all the quality, all the top players possess, football intelligence but it wasn't easy convincing because Middlesbrough in the league above wanted him and he'd been to see Lenny Lawrence about moving to Ayrson Park. Uh, so Kev says, the odds were stacked against us, but I managed to speak with Rob and I knew I had a decent chance of winning him over when I mentioned I had been one of his... Bo- when he mentioned I'd been one of his boyhood heroes. So that's good. Kev's using his um, his fame and fortune there to be able to lure players mm. in. And um, this is what Kev said to Rob Lee to attract him to Newcastle. He said, if you go to Middlesbrough, you will be on a medium-sized board. Now, I imagine that already captured Rob Lee's imagination and he'll have thought, oh, hang on a minute. This isn't what I'm getting from Lenny Lawrence. Lenny Lawrence has probably told me how much I'll get paid, what kind of car I'll get, or where I'll play in the Mm. team. But Kevin has said, if you go to Middlesbrough, you will be on a medium-sized board. And then he says, one day, soon... Soon's quite important there. A massive boat the size of the Queen Mary will sail past you with Newcastle United written on the side. (laughs) And you will look at it and say, I could have been on that boat. Stop the boat. Stop the boat. (laughs) I want to get on the boat. No, fuck off. You You had your chance. Send me a ring down. Fuck off. You can drown. I'll be there hanging over the edge, giving you the fucking finger. I'll probably be trying to piss on you like I did when I was in that helicopter that time. You on your little medium-sized boat, whereas my boat sails right past you all the way to Glory Island. <laughs> Up yours. But then Kev says, this is a weird bit, this this wasn't just a sales pitch. I genuinely believed it was true. What? How, how much of this does he genuinely believe it's true? Does he believe in the boats? Yeah. Does he think the boat's going to happen? I really thought there was going to be a boat. Yeah. So John Hall told me there'd be a boat. He was going to moor it next to the Metro Centre for me. I told him with a perfectly straight face if he had any reservations, he should take into account it was closer for him to get to Newcastle than it was to Middlesbrough, which is just a fucking flat-out lie. Rob wasn't exactly thrilled when I joked about that in a press conference sometime later, and he was accused of some wonky geography. Gaffer, you've made me look foolish, he said. But it was true, kind of. There were only two flights a day from Heathrow to Teesside Airport. Oh, God, this is turning into like a maths question now. Uh, and if a Middlesbrough player was travelling by a rail from London, he would have to get off at Darlington, where not all the trains stopped, and find a way across. Newcastle, on the other hand, had eight London-bound flights a day to Gatwick as well as Heathrow, and a much better rail service, with the train station just a short walk from the stadium. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what, how that's a sell. Do they all live in the stadium together? Is that how it works? <laughs> i tell you what, though, mate. Middlesbrough is a fucking pain in the ass to get to, isn't it? It you is. To, what you have it to is, do yeah. is, you have, I can't remember where you... You go somewhere, and then you get on this weird one-carriage train. Yeah, yeah. What uh, is like, that? Says, that's like something from the olden times. Well, we have lots of those trains in the north of England, between t- various towns. That's how it works. That's they're why fucking, the real system... They're, they're stupid, mate. 
They, I mean, I totally on. agree. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's embarrassing. I mean, well, Newcastle yeah. doesn't have that. You can get to Newcastle on a plane or a proper fucking train. But yeah. when you go to Middlesbrough away, right, and there's like fucking thousands of West Ham fans, and where do we get, where do we have to change? I can't remember. But you're fucking, you the there's loads of you, and you all have to wait for like, you can only get about fucking 50 of us on at a time. You have to keep yeah. waiting for it to shuttle back and forth. Yeah, well, I mean, I've told you about the fucking state of the buses and how much it costs for a bus ride up up the gym. You know, I thought the Tories said they were going to turn and invest in a northern powerhouse. Ah, that bollocks, bollocks! And they're going to bring, they're going to spend billions on HS2 to make it half an hour quicker to get from Birmingham to London, and they think they're throwing the north a bone. Fuck that! Yeah, fucking Birmingham doesn't even count anyway. And anyway, football is like driving. We've already established that. So yeah. why is he going to get the train for? Yeah, it's a load of shit. Yeah, well, you hardly ever see a footballer on a train. Although I did once bump into George Paris, former West Ham player, on oh, a yeah. train from London to Hove. And <clears> I had a nice chat. I really bothered him for a good right. 40 minutes. I really ruined his journey. Wow. Mm. I was yesterday, I was in, up at the gym and I was um, on the exercise bike and two bikes along from me was one of Sunderland's 1973 FA Cup winning team. Wow. Get a load of that. Full back Dick Malone. Oh, God, two, he must be two... getting on a bit, mate. Yeah, exactly. It's nice and to see he's still keeping himself fit, though. Yeah, that's what I thought. And he's pedalling away there, but he sat on the bike with his arms folded, pedalling <laughs> away. And I thought, wow. that's the stance of a man who's won the FA Cup. That's how I imagine all northern gyms to be. <laughs> Because <laughs> Shout, quite... shouting at the bike, go on, then fucking impress me. Fucking do it yourself, <laughs> fucking stupid. I don't even know what I'm fucking doing this. Waste of fucking time. <laughs> Just an unimpressed arms fold, at the, at the, a, a disdainful look. He was sat there pedalling slowly with his arms folded, like fuck you. I've won the fucking FA Cup. What have what you ever done, you bike? Done? So yeah, that was good. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's how we signed Rob Lee. I think we'll leave it for now. Yeah, we'll you've, back, you've had your fill. Now go and do something productive with your fucking time. Yeah, like coming up with an imaginary football league. Yeah, pricks. or listen to a record. Yeah. I was listening to Dexy's Midnight Runners this morning, mate. Which album? The first one, Searching for the Young Soul Rebels, because Very good. I met one of them recently. Um, what was his name? Pete something. Anyway, I thought I'll fucking have a re-listen to that. Bloody hell. Never ages, mate. Still just as no, good. Fantastic. Mm. All right. Um... <laughs> I haven't got that on vinyl. If one of the cunters wants to chip a bit extra in on the Patreon to like get that for me or send it to me as a gift, then just get in touch. I, I would like I, it I, on vinyl. I've got a, a live 1982 Dex's album as part of Record Store Day recently. Green I don't vinyl. like live albums. I generally don't, but it's Dex's and they were fucking amazing live. Yeah. So I, I forked out for it. And because okay. I'm a Dex's nut and I didn't yeah. have oh, it. Good. So, you know. So I'm pleased about that. Um, Yeah. I don't know where this is going, but that, that's your Let's lot for this wrap episode. It up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell her. See you, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.